0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, a very familiar passage to a lot of us today, if not all of us. Um, Again, has a very heavy tone to the story for what it's going to address. And obviously, some very uh, heavy topics, specifically a particular sin that is mentioned, and obviously will do our best to keep that, um, you know, for, for everyone in here, uh, the topic, you know, as, as good as possible, but we do need to recognize the, the power of sin, and looking at David's life particularly, we see a sin in his life that he allows to take over, and how that builds on it one by one. When I was thinking about this passage, and I was thinking about and studying it, I um, I was reminded back to my teenage years, and if you're around my age, you'll probably know this song too. Uh, there was a song that was a one-hit wonder back in the day. And the, the beginning of the chorus, the phrase said this, even the best fall down sometimes. Now, some of y'all that know that my age, that song's going to be stuck in your head the rest of the day. But that phrase, even the best fall down sometimes, is an important reminder to us that Even the best of people are not perfect. Even the best of people fall in to sin. People are not perfect. People are going to fail or going to make mistakes. Look, right now we're in the middle of a football season and you could take the best quarterback in the NFL right now and he's going to make a mistake. He, He may not get his team to the Super Bowl, let alone win it, even though he might be the best in the league. Ladies, that husband that you married, who at one point you thought was the greatest gift from God in your life, and now you're realizing, oh, he's not perfect. Men, that woman that you married that you thought was perfect walking down that aisle, she's still perfect in your eyes, but she's not perfect. She messes up. You mess up. She messes up. We all mess up. We all fall short. None of us are perfect. The Bible's very clear about that. We all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3 tells us that there there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. And knowing this reality is important to our lives. It's important that we recognize that just because we are believers, just because we want or intend to do good, does not mean we're always going to do good. Our shortcomings, our sinful nature is always going to be a factor in our lives. And because of that, we have to be mindful of the decisions that we make in life and also mindful of the situations we find ourselves in. As we look to this familiar story, we understand the theme of it in essence is, is adultery and, and that's going on in this story. But, and, and we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but I think as, as I've been studying, as the Lord's been revealing to me what he wants us to hear, I think it goes deeper than that though. What we really need to look at is why David sinned. How did David initially respond to that sin and the consequences that followed? See, we as sinners, we need to see the effects of sin in our lives and how quickly we can fall into the temptations that are laid before us. We need to see that temptations do not always come from hard times. I think too many of us think about people that fall into sin. Well, they must have been on hard times. Someone's someone's out there falling into sin. They've got drunk or they got high because they're trying to numb a pain. Or or maybe these things are going on and, and 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 they're just coming out of an adversity. And it caused them to be weak in a moment. But what we fail to see is that a lot of times sin comes out of a moment of blessing. David is in a moment of a blessing. Things are going well for David. And it is in that moment that he finds himself going from a blessing to a moment of wickedness. Even a man after God's own heart is not immune to sin. And neither are we. So what does God want us to see in today's scripture? Let's read 2 Samuel chapter 11 starting in verse 1 and reading to verse 5. It says, verse 1, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. Uh, But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from a roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we give you the praise and the glory. We thank you for the worship that you have given us this morning, that you allow us to have God, I pray that it was pleasing to your ear. God, but now as we open up your word, may our ears be open and ready to hear your word. God, may you reveal to us, God, the the effects of sin, how hard sin is on our lives and those around us, God, and how we can easily fall into it. God, help us to see what you want us to see. And God, may we respond in the way that you desire for us to respond today. God, we love you. We give you the praise and the glory. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. First thing we need to see today about David is David's idleness. And I'm talking about idol worship, I'm talking about idol I-D-L-E, his idleness. Verse 1 again says what? In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Now, now we've seen before and we see again up to this point, David has experienced many victories as king. David has been very blessed as a leader to experience many victories of war. Now, in the winter, typically wars would cease. They would would stop for, for a brief period because it was too cold. And so there was a period now where you see the winter and they've taken a break. Well, now spring has come, according to verse 1, and it's time to go back to war. It's time to go back to battle. But instead of David going back to the battle as kings are supposed to, as kings traditionally did, David sends Joab in his place. Now, the reason David does this is because he feels good about the victory. I don't have to show up and we're still going to be victorious. And clearly that's true because verse 1 tells us that, that they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. They took care of the enemies even without David being out there. And so some would say, well, it was no big deal for David not to be there. It was no big deal for David to miss out since the outcome was obviously going to be victory. But that's not really the point. See, David allowed himself to be idle and enjoy the blessings of a successful kingdom and while there's nothing wrong with blessings, it's in those moments of blessing that we tend, as humans, to take our guard down. We we, we let our guard down and we allow sin to creep in. And again, when we think of sin, we think it comes out of adversity. Oh, someone became an alcoholic because they started drinking because they had a hard time in their life. And while that's true, sure. But... Really and truly, a lot of the times, our sin creeps in when we are in a blessed moment. See, David's sin did not come out of adversity. It came out of a blessed season of his life. And what we have to understand is while blessings do come from the Lord, if we're not continuing to remind ourselves that those blessings come from the Lord, what happens? We take our eyes off of God. We lose focus and we convince ourselves that we're no longer dependent upon God. We can convince ourselves that we are the makers of our success and our blessings. And we forget that God is the one who gave it all to us. And when we lose that focus, we allow sin to get involved. Sitting back and enjoying the blessings of life is called idleness. And that's what David was doing. I don't have to go to war. I can stay at home. I can enjoy the blessings of my kingdom while all the men that are under me can handle that war. So let me ask you, what do you do when you're bored in your idleness? You begin to wonder. Look at verse 2. It says it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. And he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. So David is walking on this roof. And it would be easy to uh, to picture that David's roof is the tallest roof in all the kingdom. Because he's king. Right? That would make a lot of sense. So he would walk on this roof and he would scan the land. And while that seems innocent, while it seems like no big deal... I want to tell you this. One commentator put it this way. Scanning the roof of homes for David is like scanning your phone when you're sitting there in your recliner. It's innocent for a moment. There's little funny videos here and there, but out of nowhere, here comes this video, this post, this person's profile, that notification, that TV channel. It turned from just watching a funny video of cats on your phone to a temptation. For David, scanning the roofs, seemed like that's what a king should do. He's watching over his kingdom, but oh, there's Bathsheba. She caught his eye. He couldn't look away. So he inquires. He starts asking questions about her. Who is this? And one man said, That's the daughter. Is that not the daughter? Right? This is what he's asking in verse 3. Is this not the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now understand, this is an out for David. David has spotted a temptation. His eyes are laid on a temptation. And in verse 3, God is providing a way out. He is providing a way out. Say, David, this woman's married. You don't need to entertain that. You need to get your eyes away from that. But instead, what does he do? He tells them to go get her. See, as believers, God's always providing outs. God's always providing a way out of the temptation, providing a way out of the sin. He provides a way to get your mind off of these sins and ways to keep busy and not just busy for the sake of being busy. That's not good. Busy for the sake of being busy is not good. We as believers cannot be idle. We need to be busy for a higher purpose. And we need to have that higher purpose in doing things that glorify God. So, if in your life your problem is you are being too idle, and that sin is creeping in every time that you're idle, then you need to find ways and pray to the Lord that God will help you find ways to be busy that would glorify Him instead of sitting at home mindlessly scrolling the phone or the computer or watching the TV. It, finding ways where maybe you're just sitting at home consuming substances and you just sitting on a recliner, that's doing no good for you. We need to be people who will be busy, but in a way that brings higher purpose and glory to God. That might be, you know what, instead of sitting here at the house doing nothing, I'm going to go visit my brothers and sisters. I'm going to go visit my neighbor. Maybe it's coming up with a project. Maybe you just need a project. That I need to do something that will glorify God. Something that will keep you busy to glorify God in everything you do. David should have been leading his army. If David was on the battlefield, he would have been busy and would have been glorifying God in his victory. But instead, here he is, standing on his roof, mindlessly scrolling the field and noticing the temptation. And instead of avoiding the situation, taking the out in verse 3... His idleness led him to sin, which led to a pregnancy, and now David must cover it up. So what does David do? Go to verse 6 with me. Let's keep reading in the story. Verse 6, so David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David, and when Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing, and how the people were doing, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet, and Uriah went out of the king's house and there followed him a present uh, from the king. From the king. And but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go to his house, David said to Uriah, "'Have you not come from a journey? "'Why did you not go down to your house?' Uriah said to David, "'The ark and Israel and Judah dwell in booths. "'And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord "'are c- camping in the open field.' Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited him, and he ate in the presence and drank so that he made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his lord. But he did not go down to his house. Verse 14. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And the letter he wrote set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, the hardest fighting and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. David's idleness leads to sin, which leads to David's cover-up. And so once David finds out Bathsheba's pregnant, he's scrambling. He's trying to find any solution that can cover this up. And the best solution for him is to bring Uriah home. Let's bring her husband home. He's going to be so happy to be home. He's going to go back, and we can just pretend that he is the father. But that didn't go according to plan. To see, what David did not take into account was not David in this moment, Uriah, at least, was being the man of integrity. I can't go home and enjoy my home. I can't enjoy the spoils of life knowing that my brothers are out there fighting. That those who I am submitting to their authority, they're out there giving their lives on the line. And I'm sitting here. I cannot enjoy my home knowing that that's going on. Well, David then proceeds to get him drunk. Maybe that will lower his integrity. It doesn't. So finally David says, well, I've got no other option. He sends Uriah back with a note. And the note says, put Uriah on the front of the biggest and hardest battle so that he may die. The attempts to cover up sin got worse and worse. And it led to a man's death who was innocent in this situation. We have to understand, church, Our sin cannot be covered up by us. We cannot cover our own sin. We might do our very best to try, but here's the problem. Matthew Henry says it this way sin robs man of reason. Sin robs man of reason. And so we try, to, we try to hide it ourselves, but all we do is make ourselves fall out of reason, out of a biblical understanding of what it means to cover our sin, and we try to hide it ourselves, and we don't approach sin biblically anymore. Listen, regardless of how well we're handling, we think we're handling our sin, because some of us think, I- I've got my sin covered, preacher. I'm good. I'm the only one that's affected. I know when to stop, and I'll stop when I'm ready we're not handling our sin like we think we are it's far from the truth and listen sin doesn't only affect you it affects your family your spouse your kids your friends your neighbors it affects your church family it affects a lot of people substance abuse affects your family and friends Adultery and lust affect your marriage and your kids. Lying affects those that you're lying about or lying to. Covetousness affects the relationship you have with the one in which you're coveting towards. Listen, the way sin works is that eventually you think it's never enough, so you need more, right? I want more, and no thing and no person can give it to me, so I continue to chase it deeper and deeper into a hole. And I try to keep it a secret from my family and my friends. And I never really face the problem. But the real problem has always been sin. And the real problem is that none of us can cover it in our own efforts. David was not going to cover this sin. There's nothing he could have done to cover this sin. And it's a real problem that we all face. And it has to be addressed by confessing it to the one who has given us life. God is the only one who can cover our sins. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 it says this, That if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That forgiveness of sin and cleansing of all unrighteousness is God covering our sin in His grace through the works of Jesus Christ. See, God does this because He sent His one and only Son to this earth. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life so that He could take on our sins and die in our place. And when Jesus dies, He also resurrects a few days later to defeat the penalty of sin. And that defeat gives us life. It gives life to all who will believe and those who believe and repent of their sins. The Bible says they will be forgiven. David needed to confess his sin, but instead he tried to cover it up, which led a man to be killed. And sadly, more consequences come for David, and it affects his children. But as we continue to read in this part of the story, David's not remorseful. He's not remorseful for it. He's not repentant in any way. Instead, what does David try to do? He tries to come out the hero. This is David's false sense of heroism. Look at what it says in 22 through 27. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent him to tell. The messenger said to David, The men gained an advantage over us and came out against us in the field. But we drove them back to the entrance of the gate. Then the archer shot at your servants from the wall. Some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. David said to the messenger, Thus shall you say to Joab, Do not let this matter displease you, for the sword devours now one and now another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it and encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So David was given the message that the job was done. The cover-up has happened. Uriah has died. And so David pretends to show Joab some grace. Joab, it's all right. Look, you're going to lose some people every now and then. People are going to die more. It's just a fact. You're okay, Joab. He shows Joab grace as if Joab wasn't involved in that as well. He plays it off like it's not a part of the plan. And then Bathsheba's given word. Your husband's dead, and she laments over it. But when the lamentation is over, David takes her in as her husband. So now everyone can see that David was such a gracious and compassionate king that he was willing to take in this poor little old widow as his own. He's a hero for his sacrifice. David is feeling very good about himself. But let me make one thing clear, church. David and Bathsheba can fool everyone in the kingdom. But they can't fool God. And neither can we. What's the last phrase that I read in verse 27? But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Let's make this clear today God is not okay with your sin. God is not okay with sin. God is not okay with any sin, period. Too many people want to pick and choose what sin's okay and which ones are not so bad and which ones are still bad. Listen, sin is still sin. And all sin has the same consequence. Death. What David did, God was displeased with and he is not okay with this at all. Nor will he ever be okay with it. We've got to see how much our sin breaks God's heart, how much God detests sin. Listen, God hates sin so much that he was willing to flood the entire earth in Genesis 6 through 9. He was willing to destroy an entire city of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19 over it. And he was willing to sacrifice his own son because of sin. Jesus took on the most brutal of beatings and deaths just to take away your sin penalty and my sin penalty. God cannot stand to see you in sin that He was willing to sacrifice His own Son so that you could get out of it. And we sit here today and we think that the sin we just committed was no big deal. Listen, the sins we commit are a big deal. It's a rebellion against your Almighty God, your Creator, And so, yes, it's a very big deal, and it very much needs repentance today. We need to have our heads bowed deeply at this altar and seek forgiveness. Look, the altars remain empty in churches all across this Bible Belt because we're too prideful to see how much we've rebelled against our Heavenly Father this week. Church, we need forgiveness today. Whether it's in our drunkenness, our sexual morality, our lying, our laziness, our apathy, our abuse, our gossip, our hatred, our anger, our jealousy, or lack of submission to God, or any other sin possibly. We need to seek the Lord and His forgiveness. Because the Lord Jesus was willing to die in your place for your sin. He was willing to take your place so that you can be free from sin's grasp and rest in the arms of a heavenly father. But that rest requires faith. It requires belief in the work of Christ through his death and resurrection. Do you have that kind of faith today? Do you want that faith? Listen, if you've yet to put your faith in the Lord, if you recognize today that you are not a believer, today you can receive salvation. It is for all who will believe. Today you can submit to the authority of Jesus Christ and walk out of here a forgiven believer. Even in all of our sin, even with all that God feels about sin, He was willing to give you life. He was willing to give you salvation by giving up his own son to death. And God did that because he knows you need salvation. You need to be saved off the path that leads to hell. If you recognize your need for salvation today, I'm going to call on you to come to this altar and seek it. Come receive salvation today. Maybe you are a Christian, but you recognize the sin that you've fallen into lately. We need to recognize our need for forgiveness and repentance. We need to recognize that we need to bow before this altar, before the Lord. And pray to the Lord for forgiveness. So my question to you, believer, is this. Will you repent? Will you repent and receive forgiveness today? Maybe today you're in here and you simply just need prayer. Pastor, life has been kicking me down pastor life's been hard lately maybe you are in a difficult season i want to tell you as much as god hates sin he loves you he loves you very much he's willing to send jesus and he loves you very much that he is pouring out his love on you he's pouring out his comfort and his grace So if you're in a difficult place, trust in what the Lord has told us, that He is our shelter, He is our hiding place. We we can hide under the shadow of His wings. He is our refuge and our fortress. and God provides that to all who believe. So maybe today you simply need prayer. If you need me to pray for you, I'll be up here up front. If you need a brother or sister to come down and pray with you at this altar, do that. But again, church, Let me close with this. We have a real problem. And it's called sin. It's a rebellion against our creator God and we desperately need to repent of it, all of us, and seek forgiveness today. So however God is asking you to respond, whether it's to receive salvation, whether it's to repent and seek forgiveness at this altar, whether it's to come and ask for the comfort of God's love to be poured out on your life, however God is asking you to respond, will you be faithful to do so today? Let's pray. Father God, we give you the praise and all the glory. God, you have been faithful through it all. God, your word says that even when we are faithless, you are faithful. And so, God, I pray that as we all look within our hearts and we look to the inner depths of our soul, that the sins that we are committing, God, the sins that we come to every time that we're idle, the sins that we come to every time we try to numb the pain, that, God, we would lay that before you that God, we would give that to you. We would confess it to you so that we would be cleansed from all unrighteousness. God, I pray if there's anyone here who does not know you, that today would be the day of salvation. That you would call them to it today. God, I pray for the believers in this room who are dealing with a sin, who are stuck in a sin right now. God, that they know they need to repent. I pray that they'll do so. God, I pray for the person in here who is going through a very difficult season. God, their hearts are broken. God, they're, they're weary. They're hurting. God, I pray that you pour out your comfort and your grace upon them today. God, help us to respond faithfully to your word. Help us to worship you in this moment. And it's in your son's holy In righteous name that I pray. Amen.